cool, we'll get things going. Father, I thank you for your goodness, thank you for family, I thank you for the wider family. It is so good to be back um, from Texas, though if you could send some of that great food, that'd be awesome. Um, I thank you for your faithfulness to us. I thank you um, for my wife and Eden, though they're not here this morning because they're absolutely jet lagged. Um, I thank you we all came home safely. I thank you we all came home encouraged. I thank you we came home seeing all your goodness and what you're doing over there and what we could do here, what we can learn. Um, I just pray you be with us this morning. I pray you speak to us. I pray you challenge us. I pray you change us. Father, I thank you that you've allowed us to all come here exactly as we are. But I thank you, Father, that you have a plan not to leave us that way, but that you are going to transform us into the image of your Son. Holy Spirit, come and speak to us. Give us ears to hear. And may we wrestle with the truth that you have for us in the same way you wrestle with Jacob, transforming his life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So we start a new series. To, oh, no, we don't. <laughs> that, that's what happens when you go to Texas. You don't know what's happening in your own church. So last week, Andre Anderson was here, and he started a new series, uh, hashtag no filter, which we're going to be doing. And he shared on a few things. He shared about what it means to be human, and that is a struggle that is real um, for all of us. I think one of the hardest things in this world is being comfortable in your own skin. Um, I hear so many people talking about their own lives, and we, we tend to put a filter on everything. And so today, I'm going to kind of follow on in that tradition. Um, firstly, I want to say that some things in life can't be filtered. Some things in life can't be filtered. So when you have a conversation, you meet someone for the first time, the first thing they say to you is like, what do you do? And um, like, you can lie, <laughs> but that is like, no one really does that to that extent. I mean, I've never had someone come to me and go, what do you do? And I've gone, I'm an investment banker. I am responsible for hundreds of millions of pounds. I don't do that. I told the truth about my life, but we do kind of lie a little, we tweak it a little bit, so we kind of make ourselves ourselves sound a little bit better than we are. Um, I, I tend to downplay myself, is what I tend to do. I always tend to just push myself down as low as I can so they're not disappointed. I, I hate like going like, when I chat with people, I'm like, oh, I'm, yeah, I, I kind of do some, some church stuff. And, 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 like, I never go like, yeah, da, 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 or whatever, and like, a lot of my friends, I don't know where they get that confidence from, where they can like just go like, I'm a pastor of this church, I'm doing this, this, that, and the other, and we, we kick ass. And you're like, you do? That's amazing, I wanna kick ass. I'm always like, oh no, actually, you know what, I'm learning what to do, don't really know what I'm doing, da, 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 da. I always play it down, that's my kind of filter, that's what I'm comfortable with, and that's kind of me, but it's not really the truth. On the other swing side is you get people who just talk to you about stuff, about like, oh, I'm the director of this company, da, 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 da. and you're like, wow, that is amazing. And then you look it up online, and it's their own company they've started and they actually haven't sold a product yet it's not released it's not out there you think they're doing like a thousand million sales a month and actually they've never sold anything and so there's so many times on Facebook where it says works at and I see it oh my gosh what is that oh it's yeah it's not done anything yet okay cool so they've just like oversold themselves it's not believable it's not viable it's great it's a dream but they put it as their main defining thing when actually it's, it's not, you know what I mean? And then sometimes when it comes to like our pictures on Facebook, like, um, you know those ones where like, oh man, you can see a picture of someone on Facebook and you see all that and you're like, wow, amazing. And then you meet up, you see them in the flesh, you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> where did you come from? That is not the person I was chatting to, oh my gosh. So like, I've been at a few like uh, gospel events, done some stuff where people have added me on Facebook from talks I've done and videos I've done and things like that and they've gone, oh cool, cool, cool. Then I've seen the flesh like, oh remember me? I'm like, and I'm like, you are? Oh yeah, you are! Great! <laughs> like, man. 
Oh, you were wearing a costume all these years. So like we do like the side profile or whatever, this, that, and the other. And so all of these kind of things we do to kind of portray an image of what we want to portray. So sometimes when we look through Facebook, we find ourselves being most unhappy. And the reason for that is you see someone's highlight reel and you can pay your life to it. What you don't see is whatever they don't want to share on Facebook. So we end up having all these complexes, these issues, and then we decide that because they share this and it changes the way that we interact on that platform. So Twitter used to be a place where um, it was used for this freedom of speech where people would use it to challenge different powers and hold them accountable and responsible. And it was used as like a really dynamic chain, a tool for social innovation and change. Whereas now, due to a number of different incidents, people have really kind of stopped tweeting. Um, part of that reason is due to cases like there was a girl who was talking about going to South Africa. And um, I've shared this story before, where she tweeted, going to Africa, hope I don't get AIDS, is literally what she tweeted. She left the country, and when she flew, all the way during her flight, this tweet gathered momentum, been retweeted by people, it became public, it became huge, it became in media outlets, became in newspapers. By the time she landed, she lost her job. She hadn't tweeted from a company account or anything like that. She'd done this as a joke. It's a sick joke, it's not a very funny joke, but she's done it as a joke and she's lost her job. And so then, because of this kind of situation, people then, far more careful what they tweet. People far more afraid to make any kind of comments because the way things can, can go and the way things can flip back on you, the way you can apply for a job and they can look through your social media and then go, oh, no, not gonna employ them, next person. So that's really changed the freedom and the dynamic of this. And so that has mean that the way that we interact with people on social media, the things that we say on social media, we, we kind of generally see how everyone else is using it and we tend to use it in the same way. And because of that, we kind of adapt. But there are some things in our lives that some of us, no matter how good the filter is on Instagram, we cannot filter it. So in Mark's Gospel, chapter one and verse 40, and a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer um, for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a proof to them. So this gentleman here has leprosy. And no matter what angle he would get his camera phone at, no matter what Snapchat, no matter what filter, black or white, color, um, all the different fades that are available, he wouldn't be able to hide the condition that he had. So everyone could see his sickness. Now for their culture, leprosy wasn't just a, a, a health issue, it was a sin issue. So in their society, what would happen is these kind of guys would have to go around with like a bell on them so people would know they're coming, so they'd know to stay away, so they'd know not to touch them. They would be considered an outcast. If you were to touch someone who had leprosy, you would be deemed unclean according to the law. So you would then be seen as kind of stigmatized and sin and you'd be lumped into that kind of a bracket. Some people we meet have situations going on 
that they can't filter, that they can't hide. They're open. <coughs> and what we've tended to do in a church kind of culture and system is we can see the sickness or we can see the sin or we can see the situation and we kind of act like they've got bells on and we keep certain distances away from them and we treat them in certain ways. And the problem they have is no matter what they do, they can't filter it, they can't change it, they can't crop it out, they can't do any of those sorts of things, so they're stuck in their situation. The beauty for this leper is, because his situation is so visible, he doesn't have any option other than to come to Jesus and ask that he would change his situation. There is one beautiful thing about not being able to hide your failure and your failure being open. When your failure is open, it enables you to receive healing. It enables you to receive healing. If this man had a different situation, he could do what so many of us do. Walk about, talk to people, touch people, engage with society like everything's fine. When deep down inside, everything is falling apart. And there is hurt, there is loneliness, there is despair. There's a feeling that things will never be different, that things will never change. But for this man, he has nothing going for him. And because of that, he receives this. But I think the question he has is quite a profound one. He says, Jesus, if you will, you can make me clean. If you will it, Jesus, I can be clean right now. The question we have is we don't have the question, can God heal me? Can God set me free? Can God change the situation? Our question is, will he? Do we believe that he will? And in this passage, Jesus' response to him is, I will. And then he says, be clean. Now, in the original language, the way that Jesus speaks when he says, I will, is it's, it's so much more than that. It's, I desire to. It's what I am. It's what I'm about. It's my passion. And then it says he reached out and touched him. In this moment, according to the law, Jesus should become unclean. But instead, it makes the other man clean. Jesus said time and time again, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. So often you and I are so obsessed with our own cleanliness we keep a distance and we want to act like people have bells on we want to act and keep them over there while we try and stay clean and safe in some little religious box that somehow we believe we will keep the holiness going but Jesus shows us that holiness is found in reaching out and touching those that others wouldn't touch loving those that others wouldn't love this week while I was speaking at the mix to the teenagers at Revolution Church, I, I talked openly about my, my teenage years and some of the stupidity and the, some of the madness that I got myself into. And I talked about the struggle and I talked about Jacob and how Jacob wrestled with God and said, I won't let go till you bless me. And that's what the Christian life's about. It's about not letting go of God until he blesses us, till he changes us. And after sharing that and wrapping it up, different young people came up to me and they, they wanted to say how they felt about it. They wanted to share what that meant to them. And I remember a couple of different people coming up to me afterwards. And one of the reoccurring themes was, 
you could sense that because of the things they've got going on, because of the things they're doing wrong, there's this sense of like feeling pressured to get into a box, feeling pressured to cut people off rather than behaviours off, or to stay away from these types of people and this type. And I'm listening to it, and I remember being a teenager, I remember doing the same thing and, and cutting people off. And I look back now with a lot of regret over those times. I think, yeah, it's cool, and we need to keep ourselves safe, and you need to have wisdom with those kind of situations. But ultimately, I believe the gospel and what Jesus sets out as an example is there are people that we desperately need to be about, and there are certain people that you spend time with in certain situations and certain behaviors that people don't want you to be around because it's a bit uncomfortable but actually Jesus wants you to reach out and touch them the most when he asked the question will you Jesus said I will he said this is what I'm about this is me this is who I am and this is who we need to be we need to be people that love those who cannot filter their situation anyone can come here today anyone can come here and have things going on inside and leave here and no one knows about it and we just carry on and it's easy to accept everyone here when that's like that but as soon as any of us start talking like some of the guys that had conversation with me over there are asking for prayer about certain things as soon as you start getting into that kind of area as soon as people start hearing oh this is going on in so and so's life and so and so's this and so and so's that oh that's when we're like mm, so and so's got bells on just saying keep back they got bells quarantine Christian quarantine please whoa don't touch me. Right, that's how it is. So for me, when I read this story, it's not even so much about the filter on his side, it's the filter on my side. It's how I change how I act and how I behave because of what I see in them. And some situations can't be cropped and some situations aren't just black and white. Some situations are complicated. And we've got to be who Jesus is and we've got to reach out and we've got to touch them. The second passage I want us to look at today I want to keep it real simple. I want us to look at John chapter 4 while I drink some coffee. And just like Joel Osteen, I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> Everyone's going to be listening online thinking I'm amazing. And now for some Mountain Dew. I'm going to put lager on the fire. Once I knew what Pastor Joe gets away with, I got inspired to be creative. I might even just leave it in. Someone's going to go on the podcast and go, what is wrong with this guy? Actually, they'll be even more confused because literally, I don't think I recorded the bit where I said Joel Osteen makes mistakes and edits his talks out and says, now where was I? Put it in there for context, now they'll appreciate the joke. And why everyone else is laughing in the background and be like, why are people laughing? That's not funny, he's having some coffee, he's having a mountain dew. Cool, so John chapter four. Yeah, now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria, um, I can't even pronounce that, 
called um, Sycar. I'll probably edit in the correct pronunciation. Joel Osteen. Near, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this well, this water from this well will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never be thirsty forever. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. So Jesus said to her, Go tell your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither will worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You will worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled he was talking to a, a woman, with a woman. <laughs> but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away to town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. So in this story, it's completely different from the leper. The leper had a visible situation that everyone could see and be stigmatized. This woman, though there is a thing about Jesus chatting up a woman at a well, which is kind of today's equivalent of chatting up a bird in a bar. Um, it's a little bit awkward. They met around the wells and stuff. So, you know, just saying. So they're kind of like, what is he up? What is he? Cheese. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's kind of what they're, that's why it's like, what? Say, say what? So am I right? So that's kind of what's going on. And it's a little bit kind of weird, a little bit awkward. But the difference between this scenario and the other scenario is the leper, everyone can see his skin's peeling off. They can see his condition. He's wearing bells. So everyone knows that he's a, he's a shipwreck. Um, but this woman's just at a well. Now she's got just as much going on inside, but no one can see it. 
And because she's got so, so much going on inside, she's trying to keep the conversation well away from her issues. When she, Jesus says, go tell your husband, and she says, I have no husband, he then busts out some mad word of knowledge, some prophecy skills, and goes like, you're right, you've had five, dude you're Netflixing and chilling with isn't your husband. You told the truth. What does she do? Is that the moment where she goes, wow, who is this man a prophet? No, she goes, so, um, you guys worship uh, at the temple, we worship at the mountain, so which one's it meant to be? Like, she's trying to pick up the question of their day, like, let's get things moving, let's, let's get off this topic, let's, let's move away, away from this. So she's trying to divert the attention. Jesus is trying to bring it around, and Jesus is trying to lay out what a great thing she has before her, what a great situation she's got going on. And then he starts to speak about worship. And then she starts to say, well, you know, one day a Messiah will come and he'll solve all these pro- problems. And then she, he kind of goes, well, yeah, guess what? I'm, I'm kind of that guy. That's kind of my, that's my business. That, that's how I roll. That, that's what I do. And then she leaves there going around going, wow, like, have I met the Messiah? It's basically what she's proclaiming to people. He knew everything about me. He knew this situation. He brings this liberation. He touches on the deepest, uh, most inconvenient, awkward area of her life but not in a way of judgment, but he is seeking to give her something that will mean she will never thirst again. So out of these two scenarios, we have people group A, who have very visible situations that are messed up, and we wanna ignore them, and we wanna treat them like they've got bells and they're in quarantine. Um, We do this with homeless people. We do this with people of different social classes. Sometimes we do this with people of certain races. Sometimes we do people of certain genders. Sometimes we do this with all different types of people that we meet. Um, Jesus says, this isn't who he is, but he tells us who he is. And he's the kind of person who reaches out and touches and brings healing. And that's the kind of people we need to be. In the second scenario, when we look at Jesus and how he interacts with this woman, we need to be people who are still willing to talk about the difficult issues but it's how we talk about them that matter. So, there are people that I've met and chatted to that have been in church situations where they've gone there, everyone's known a bit about their business, and people have just literally crucified them and then put them in the quarantine zone when anything comes out. And that is not what Jesus is about. Jesus is about giving people life so that they never thirst again. He wants to give us something precious. He wants us to give us, give us something eternal. Now, when we meet people in either of these two categories, we need to take the attitude of Jesus. In both situations, all he is about is about giving them healing, restoring them. He wants to change their situation, and he calls us to be agents of change. But at the same time as we can find ourselves in the call to be like Jesus and to serve and to love the different types of people we meet, we also have to acknowledge today that in different areas of our life, there are certain situations that we just can't filter of ourselves. There are certain things that happen within ourselves that are messed up and we need to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, will you make me clean? Will you make me clean? There are also other areas in our lives that we've got so used to 
that we've stopped asking to be clean. We've stopped asking to see change in those areas. And we've come to a point where we can meet with someone who's clearly the teacher, who's clearly amazing, who's clearly there to serve us in what we need, but we don't want to ask him to help us with that issue. This morning, I believe that Jesus wants to speak to us. I believe he wants to say that the areas in our lives that we feel cut off for because of them, he wants to bring healing to that. He wants us to be people that once healed, go and love those out and around us. But secondly, I believe today, Jesus is saying to us that there are issues in our lives that we keep hidden and we are not even seeking to resolve. And today he wants to meet with us just like the woman at the well and he wants to bring healing and restoration. I'm going to pray for us and just invite God to meet with us. Father God, I thank you that we get to come to you today with no filter. I thank you that we know, just like the leper knew, he knew something about you was approachable because there were other religious rulers in his day who he could not approach, that he could not make that request, but he made it to you. Father, would you help us to be people that people can approach, knowing that they will receive from you exactly what it is they need to receive. Father, we also ask for ourselves that if we find ourselves in that same situation as the leper, feeling quarantined, feeling cut off, feeling exiled, we just ask that you would come and you would meet with us by your Holy Spirit and transform our lives. Help us to be the people you've called us to be. Father God, we also come to you this morning with a second thing we want to talk about, Lord. We wish to ask you to search our hearts, search deep inside us. You know the habits in our lives. You know the situations we're in. You know the areas of our lives where we've stopped even trying to experience your freedom and your healing and your peace. We just pray right now, Lord God, that you would come and you would meet with us by the power of your spirit and you would release us from those things. That just like that woman, we would no longer be people who try to change the conversation away from our hurt, but meet with you in the midst of it, like Jacob wrestling, not letting go until you bless us, not letting go until we experience that change we so desperately need. In Jesus' name, amen.